seasoned with salt, that you may know how ye ought to answer every man. Now let's pray together and let's open our hearts for the message tonight. Father, I do thank you for your word. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that no matter the times we're living in, no matter the circumstances, whether times of blessing and plenty or times of uncertainty and want, we find in your word everything we need. And Lord, tonight I believe we're going to begin, uh, Lord, a look at something that you have impressed upon our heart that we need to know right now, how you would have us to live, particularly in the way that we speak. And I pray that you'd help us. I pray you'd give me wisdom. I pray you'd give me liberty to be able to say not only what you would have me to say, but the way you'd have me to say it. And I pray you'd help on the other end that we'd receive it the way you would have us to receive it, that we might be who you'd have us to be. And I trust you for that. I look forward to what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Obviously, verse number six speaks about our speech and how our Father would have us to speak. As we're going to look at Sunday morning, God has a will for our life in each and every area of our life if we care enough to get in the Word of God and find out how He would have us to live and how He would have us to respond in the way that we go about our life, particularly in this area of speech and how we speak. Uh, we're living in an unprecedented times. I don't mean necessarily in a negative way, but we're living in an unprecedented time throughout the history of the world to where the human voice carries farther than it's ever carried before. Uh, you think about in the Middle Ages and even times before that, even during Bible times, it took a long time for word of mouth to spread or even word, the written word to spread because communication channels were cut off at the Tower of Babel. And the Tower of Babel is a very interesting study we're going to get into uh, here in the next few weeks on a Sunday morning, I believe if the Lord will allow that. But communication was not as widespread. We were not as connected as we are today. And today we have unprecedented connect. We can speak words and they can go around the world within mere moments and mere seconds. And because of technology, we have not only the opportunity to hear the opinions and thoughts of others, we have the opportunity to give our thoughts and our opinions and our comments on things. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, as with everything, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It can be really good when it's done right, or it can be really bad when it's done wrong. And we and Brother Michael were speaking this afternoon, and I believe one of the things we must understand is just because we have an unprecedented opportunity to speak, it does not necessarily mean we have the unprecedented obligation to speak. It seems like all of us have that disease where we desire to be the breaking news reporter, we want to be the first to social media to post a picture or to tell somebody about something. And I know that because uh, it's in me. I know that it's in my daughter, my wife. It's probably in her too. There's somewhere. And we all like to speak and to tell things, but it doesn't necessarily mean we need to. Now, here's what's disheartening for me tonight, not only as a pastor, but as a Christian and just a human being. It's how often we carelessly speak words into existence. How often we open our mouth and we utter words carelessly and throw them out as if they are worthless and they have no meaning and they're just disposable. They really have no use, maybe a one-time use, but oftentimes we don't realize the value of our words or the outcome of our words. 
And we speak words out of emotion. We speak words out of a, a human reaction or feelings of the flesh that can go and cause great harm, not only to others, but to the cause of Christ, which is what should concern us most. That our words can bring great damage to the cause of Christ. We see the actions of King David uh, when David sinned with Bathsheba and how Nathan the prophet says, you've given great opportunity for the enemies of God to blaspheme his name. It was his actions that were having negative effect on the image of God and to blaspheme upon God. If we're not careful, our words can do just the very same thing. Every year around the world, there are hundreds of lives taken through what is known as happy fire. You say, well, what is happy fire? Happy fire is merely celebratory gunfire. Uh, we don't see this much anymore in the Old West. I think we've probably all seen a Western. Uh, and in those Westerns, when they're excited and the, the cowboys get off of the trail, they come into town and they're hoorah in the town and firing bullets into the air. That's happy fire. It's celebratory gunfire. Uh, a lot of Middle Eastern countries, it's very common still in their culture. And even some of the larger cities, it surprised me to find out, unfortunately, it is a trend in Los Angeles around New Year's. Definitely seems like a dangerous thing. But I was reading the CDC reports today of, and they don't really have an accurate number, but hundreds of lives every year are taken by those who indiscriminately will fire a gun into the air because that's what they feel like doing, not giving any concern where that bullet is going to come down and land. And hundreds of lives are lost every year, and thousands of people are impacted or injured by those bullets that were just thrown up there with, without care. And I thought about that this afternoon, how often are our words very much the same way? Now, here's the scary thing. We spray words into existence more often and more dangerously than we do bullets. That's why Proverbs 18.21, by the way, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, we're introducing the series tonight. I'm going to give you one point. That way it's not a pointless message. So it will have one point. So I'm going to take my time introducing not just this message, but the entire series. So stick with me tonight. Don't get worried that I'm dragging out the introduction and then going to spend another hour on the one point. I don't plan on it, but the Lord leads, then you're just going to have to get mad at him, all right? Proverbs 18.21, the Bible says this, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Now, this is the word of God. This is not an opinion or a fortune cookie. This is the word of God telling you what power we have in our tongue, and it's the power of life and it's power of death, and yet so often we just have the gall to speak our mind. I hear people all the time, I just speak my mind, and we almost say it like we are proud of it. We give not a second thought to how those words, like those bullets sprayed into the air, can not only harm ourselves or others, or even worse, the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet we just speak our mind and we're proud of it. The truth of the matter is tonight, the Bible says in Matthew 12, 36, I'm going to give you several scriptures. You can jot down the reference and then look them up when you get home. Matthew 12, 36, the Bible says that we're going to give an account for every idle word. 
Can I tell you why speaking our mind and saying what's on our mind and just calling it like I see it? I know a lot of people who adopt that mindset that I just call it like it is and I just say what needs to be said. Well, that's fine, but just remember that the Bible says you're going to give an account for every idle word. That means although you took it lightly to say something, to give your opinion, to make a post, or to comment on a post, understand you will give an account for every idle word. That's what the Word of God says on the matter. Now, very burdened tonight. Very burdened as always. Uh, I can't get behind this pulpit without a burden. I mean, we can go to the Word of God and we can just preach a message verse by verse and just go down and share with you what the verse means, but I have to get behind this pulpit with a burden, and I can't leave that office to come behind this pulpit without a burden. And this is something I'm very burdened about tonight, that too often we as the people of God, our conversation does not reflect that which God would have his children to speak about and in the manner that he would have us to speak. You know, I'm a dad. I have a daughter, and there's ways I want her to speak. There's things I want her to say, and there's ways that I want her to say things. You know, there are times, uh, every once in a while, all of us slip into lunacy just for a second, Brother Michael. We have moments of uh, eccentricities, if you will, and uh, there's been times that my daughter's sin nature has flared up, and she would respond to something I said, and she would say, yes, sir, but she was saying the right thing in definitely the wrong way. I could sense something was laced on the top of those words that I didn't like very much, and I'm thankful all it took was a turned head and a raised eyebrow for her to realize I have overstepped a bounds. You see, as her father, I love her, and I want her not only to say the right things, but to say the right things in the right way. Now, I'm an earthly father. I am a flawed father. I'm going to make mistakes, and yet we have a heavenly father. And he wants his children to not only say the right things, but to say the right things in the right way. Now, here's what he wants to understand, and here's what I'm going to share with you in the next few weeks as we look at this series together. We're going to be looking at what God wants us to understand concerning the weight of our words. The weight of our words. I fear too often we make bold statements we write posts, we give opinions and make comments in ways that do not reflect what, number one, thus saith the Lord, and number two, the way a child of God should conduct themselves. There's nothing wrong with having an opinion. I have an opinion on everything. If you'd like to know, just ask, and I'll be more than glad to share with you my opinion. But oftentimes, our conversations listen closely represents what we think rather than what God says. There's nothing wrong with having an opinion. There's nothing wrong with stating your opinion. But listen to me. With the connectivity that we have in the world today and the instant communication we can have around the world, there are people that are watching tonight from other states. We've had people watch from other countries. We have people now, uh, because of the Barlow's ministry there in the Philippines, getting Bibles into the Philippines. We have people watching from the Philippines. We have people keeping up with the devotions and commenting from other countries. Instantaneously, as this word goes out, it is traveling around the world. And what a blessing that is, and what a blessing it can be to be so connected. But also what a danger it can be. If we speak more of our opinion and our ideas and how we feel and what we think rather than what thus saith the Lord, 
Folks, tonight we're going to be looking at a very simple thought of the weight of our words in this series. And the truth is that God has called every one of us to a Christian conversation. Our conversation should reflect who we are and who we serve, not what we think. And it just breaks my heart to see the people of God speaking their own mind and speaking their own thoughts and speaking their own opinions as if we represent ourselves. We don't. We represent the God of heaven. We represent Jesus Christ. That's why we are called Christians. And I fear that based on our conversation in public and on social media, I don't think as they did at the church at Antioch, they would first call us Christians. Because our conversation does not reflect that of Christ. Now, Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, look down. The Bible says, let your speech be always, notice there's very little wiggle room there, that always, the Bible says, with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer Every man. Notice the Bible says that God wants us to know, not to think, but to know how we ought. You know what that means? God has an intended way he desires we speak. Notice he says ought. There's a way that you ought to speak, and he defines that. We don't define that. The Bible says that he wants us to know how we ought to answer Every man. Can I tell you what the world is looking for right now more so than any time in my life? The world's looking for answers. The world's looking for answers. I watched Fox News today, and I watched the outnumbered segment where they have the the ladies that are on there, and they had one gentleman, reporter, answering questions. And the lady reporter kept asking the question, but what's the answer? I know what this side wants, and I know what that side wants, but what's the answer? And she kept pressing everyone in that room or on that broadcast, what is the answer? What's the answer? I know what they say and what they say, but what's the answer? And the world right now wants an answer. The Bible tells us that God's people have the answer. But the problem is we are more concerned about sharing our opinions and, yes, even our prejudices, then we are to give the answer that we ought to be giving right now. Notice he says, I want your speech always with grace, seasoned with salt, that that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. The problem is we can't give the answer and our opinion at the same time, and so we would rather give our opinion than give them the answer give you an interesting statistic, and I'm going to give you the one point that I'm going to give you as we introduce this series tonight. The average person spends one-fifth of his lifetime talking. With guys like me, it's probably a little more above average. My wife tells me oftentimes in a very kind and submissive way, you need to give them time to answer. I'm guilty, Brother Michael. I am guilty. And if you're out there and I have not, she told me, Brother Brent, she told me after church the other night, you didn't let Brother Brent answer. And I'm thankful for a great wife who points things like that. And so in a kind way, she's not naggy. She says, honey, I love you so much, and you're nearly perfect, practically perfect in every way, but, you know, I'm, I'm like her Mary Poppins, but in a male version of that. And she says, you know, I just wanted to point out something to you. You and Brother Brent were talking the other night, and he was trying to say something, and you interjected before he had a chance to finish. I'm guilty of that. Sometimes we speak when we should just be quiet. 
Here's, here's something I want you to listen to. Listen closely to this. The average person spends one-fifth of his life talking. Here's what that means. If those words were put into print, the results would be this. A single day's words would fill a 50-page book. Now, some of you that are quiet out there, it would, it, would, it would be a comic book, but it would be a book. In a year's time, the average person's words would fill 132 books that contain 200 pages each. Now, here's what I want you to think about. In a year's time, we would fill 132 books, 200 pages per book in a, in a year's time with all the words that we speak. And here's what I wonder. Out of all of those words and all of those pages we would fill and all of the books that we would fill, how many of our words would, number one, be worth reading and would actually point other people to Christ? That's what we are here for, that we ought know how we ought to answer every man. And so tonight... We're going to look at one thought in this new series on the weight of our words. And we're going to cover throughout this series what we should say, how we should say it, why we should say it, and even when we should say it. But tonight, before we can get into all of that, the first thing we need to see is the work of our words. And that's the one point I want to give you tonight. The work of our words. Now, here's what we've got to understand. Whether our words work for us or whether our words work against us, our words are going to work for us. There have been times that my mouth has helped me immensely, and then there have been probably more times that my mouth has gotten me in trouble. But you see, it's up to me to decide what my words are going to accomplish and whether or not my words are going to work for me and for the cause of Christ, or my words are going to work for myself alone. Notice verse 6, the Bible says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, watch close, that ye may know how. You see, you and I get to decide how our words work. We get to decide if our words are going to become words that work for the cause of Christ or against the cause of Christ. You know, there are times that I'll be, my wife and I will have a disagreement, and that's just because we're human. We're not identical. We think differently. I think like a man. She, she thinks like a lady. I think that's a really good thing. I know it's a foreign concept in 2020, but I think it's a great thing. And sometimes we will disagree. And as we stand there talking, my brain is running. And, you know, when we get in an argument, I go into Perry Mason mode or Ben Matlock mode. Maybe that's more of a recent time. I haven't watched any of the new shows because they're garbage, but the old ones were all right. And I go into lawyer mode, and I'm wanting to win this argument. And all of a sudden, the devil's sitting right over here, that little red guy on your shoulder, and he's always on the left, not on the right. And he's sitting there, and he's wanting to give you words to say to her. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit, he's in my heart, and he says, no, I don't think that's going to be helpful. But I say it's going to be devastating. <laughs> and I'm going to win this argument with this knockout punch. You see, I get to decide. Man, I am messing up this mic tonight. Forgive me for fooling with that. I get to decide whether or not my words are going to work for the cause of Christ or against the cause of Christ. This is why Psalms 19:14. jot this down. The Bible says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. We sing it all the time, but I just wonder how much we believe it. The Bible says that let my words be acceptable in thy sight. Kind of blows a gaping hole in speaking our mind, doesn't it? Well, I just tell it like it is. I'm not going to lie. I feel like throat punching people every time they say that. 
Like, when you got saved, you could say what God wanted you to say, not just telling it like you see it, because the Bible says that our words should be acceptable in the sight of the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. A lot of what's escalated going on around our country today has been people on both sides of this argument speaking their mind rather than speaking what's acceptable to the Lord. You see, our words are going to work for us. Whether they work for us or against us, it's our decision. We get to decide that, and too often we speak our mind and our words go and work against us. I'm going to tell you something you probably know already, but I love going to Chick-fil-A. I'm trying to eat those grilled nuggets, Brother Michael. Those grilled ones, you know, they don't weigh as bad here on the waistline. And you go through Chick-fil-A, and they give you your order, and I say, thank you, and they always say, what? My pleasure. I could hear the people in the audience here tonight. I could hear you talking to your television. It's okay to talk to your TV, uh, even during church services. What do they say? My pleasure. My pleasure. Anytime I hear someone say my pleasure, even if I'm not at a chicken place, I automatically think of Chick-fil-A. Why? Because those words have become connected to Chick-fil-A. It wasn't that neat. I think about Chick-fil-A every time somebody says my pleasure. Every time we go through Raising Cane, someone usually says, winner, winner, chicken dinner, something like that. You knew it was going back to food. I don't know why you think I'd use an illustration of anything else. Those words, look, those words automatically make me think of those things. Now, here's the question I want you to think about. Whose words do others hear you say? Who do they think you work for? When I hear someone say, my pleasure, I think about somebody that works for Chick-fil-A. It's amazing. We have several Chick-fil-A folks here in our church, and you know we're a good church to have Chick-fil-A people in our church. I mean, you got to be godly to have this many Chick-fil-A people working in our church. And every time, even in the building, we'll be talking or something. We were over there at a ball game months and months ago before all of this happened and uh, worked with some of our folks that work there. And several times, I heard them make the statement, my pleasure. I could tell that was a Chick-fil-A coming out of them. Even though they were not at Chick-fil-A, you could hear it coming out of their work. It was just a blessing to be able to hear because it made you think about chicken. Now think about this. As we go throughout our, our world and throughout our life, go throughout our day tomorrow, and we speak words, when others hear those words, are they going to be able to tell who we work for? Now, here's the problem. So often we learn to speak those words in here. And we know to say the right things in here. But what's neat about those folks that work at Chick-fil-A, they even have gotten to the habit of saying it outside the place that they work. And I believe that's our problem tonight. We don't realize just how much our words work for us. And our words are showing us who we work for and what we're working for and what cause we have and what calling we have and what our passion is in our life. Notice verse 6, the Bible says that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Do your words, listen close, do your words tonight speak of what they ought to? What they ought to? The Bible says how you ought to answer every man. That means God has a way he desires his children to speak. There's a way we ought to speak. How often do our kids say something we say, hey, you know better than that. You know better than that. Or hey, you know how you ought to act. You know better than that. Now, God does the same thing. There's a way you ought to speak. And right now, could I just tell you, 
Right now is as good a time as any, as good a time as there's ever been in my lifetime for God's people to speak the way that we ought to rather than the way that we want to. Proverbs 12, 17, the Bible says this, He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness. Notice, the Bible says, He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness. Our speech shows something. Our speech shows something. Verse 17 goes on to say in Proverbs 12, But a false witness deceit. You see, what we say is showing the world something. And I hate to tell you this, much of what we say and what we post and how we comment is not showing forth righteousness. As a matter of fact, we show things that degrade and tear down and do not point to Christ. And that's what we should be showing. We should be showing Christ. I'll be honest with you. My old man is, is uh, it's still in there, still alive. I try to mortify the deeds of the flesh, and I pray. You know that song, The Old Man is Dead? Whoever sings that when I envy them, because mine's not all the way dead yet. I keep him on life support because I like him too much, and you probably would agree the same thing if you were honest tonight. And oftentimes what we see in our post and what we see and hear in our conversation and the private conversations and the jokes that we tell, what we see rather than showing Christ is we're showing that the old man is not all dead yet. And I see this probably most, most clearly in the division in America. See what's going on. And I'm not hollering at the TV, but boy, it wells up in my heart. I'm thinking, show Christ, show Christ, show Christ. What an opportunity the people of God have to show Christ. And yet, we would rather show our opinions and our prejudices and our desires during this time. The truth of the matter is simply this tonight. Our words are supposed to be working for God. They're supposed to be working for his cause. And we preach it on a Sunday morning. There's causes galore in America tonight. Everybody's marching for this cause and marching for this cause. And yet so many of the people of God forget they've already got a cause and they've abandoned that one to march for their cause. Things would change if we just got behind the cause of Christ and the church would just do their job and speak about things that minister grace to the hearers. That's how God would have us speak tonight. And yet we use the platform of social media to speak our mind and to get people told. I want to show you what happens. James chapter 3. Turn there with me tonight. James chapter number 3. I want you to follow along the Word of God, all right? You're not going to get mad at me. You're going to get mad at the Word of God tonight because I'm going to show it to you right here in black and white. James 3. Look down to verse number 3. The Bible says this. Behold. What does the word behold mean? The word behold means take a look at here, all right? That's southern interpretation. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn them about their whole body. That bit in the horse's mouth, we turn that over a thousand-pound creature with just that little bitty bit in their mouth. Verse 4, behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven off fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of 
hell. Verse 8, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Notice what the Bible says the tongue can do. The tongue can set the world on fire. And right now, it seems like our world is on fire in so many different ways. And I just wonder how different things would be if the people of God used their words to minister grace as we ought to speak. Rather than speak our mind and give our opinions and give our comments and make posts. We have this idea that we can handle our tongue when the Bible says it's an unruly thing. And no man can tame it. You say, well, there you go. I have an excuse. I just can't help it. I just have the bad habit of speaking my mind and giving my opinion. By the way, can I just tell you that's not attractive? We boast that like it's, a, like it's a, an honorable thing. I see it as a sign of weakness that you can't keep your mouth shut. All right, look, I have the same disease from time to time. But notice, we open our mouth and begin to spray bullets into the air. They're going to hurt someone when they should be ministering grace as we ought to speak, pointing people to the one that we're supposed to be working for. You say, well, it's an unruly thing. How do we tame it? Well, I've got a great answer for that. Psalms 141.3, what did David say? David recognized the danger of the tongue, and he asked the Lord, he prayed to the Lord, set a watch over my mouth. I mean, these things can do damage. Some of the most difficult, intense times in my marriage have been times where I gave the watchman leave of my mouth. I said, why don't you just go take a lunch break for a minute? There's a few things that I'd like to say. Most of the times that I've had to apologize to people and had to humble myself before people was times that I opened my mouth and rather than use my words to work for the Lord as I ought to be with my words, speaking with grace, ministering to the hearers, there were times where I said what I wanted to say. And boy, it felt good. It felt good to say what I wanted to say, Brother Michael. It felt good to say what I wanted to say and to get them told for about five minutes. And then the crushing blow of the Holy Spirit began to come down on my heart and say, you just swung and missed at an opportunity to minister grace as always. He says, you missed it. There was a time when I was in college, and believe it or not, I could be cocky at times. I know by my humble uh, demeanor, you're probably thinking, I don't see that. But I'm, yeah, believe it or not, ask my wife. I can be cocky at times. I remember when I was in college, there was a young man. He wasn't as conservative as I was, and this is before I learned to shut my mouth. By the way, sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. And we're in college, we're arguing about this and about where I stood on the Word of God and where he stood on the Word of God, and we're going back and forth, and I am torching him. I mean, it's, I am just dropping bomb after bomb after bomb on him. And it was a dumb thing to say, we're going back and forth, and my haymaker, Brother Michael, Brother Michael's never going to come and be part of the live studio audience again because I just keep picking on him. I have to, Brother Brandon, I have to pick on you over on the left side. I'm right-handed, so I, I tend to the right side. My haymaker for him was, I looked at him and I called his name and I said, my kids will teach your kids in college. That was my haymaker. You know, that's the best I could come up with at the moment. I was just in the moment. And I said, you know, my kids are going to teach your kids because you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know the word of God. And I just torched him. And he just turns and walks out of the student center. 
And I can remember the Holy Spirit speaking so clearly to my ears. He was a new Christian, uh, kind of working as an intern in a church. And the Holy Spirit says, you'll never be effective to him again. You'll never help him. He'll never listen to you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit led me to say that. No, the Holy Spirit didn't. I let the Holy Spirit go for a minute. I said, watchman, you stay right here just a minute. I'm going to handle this from here on out. And that's where we get in trouble. When we speak our mind and say what we want to say. There's a lot of things going on around our country tonight. We're going to talk about Sunday morning. We're going to try to hit it head on from the Word of God. But understand this. There's a lot of things going on around our country that could be a whole lot different if the people of God just spoke the way God would have them to speak rather than throw accelerant on the fire through our comments and through our opinions. So notice the great opportunity. It's right on the tip of our tongue. The Bible says that we have the opportunity with grace to answer every man. I want you to know when you speak up, not only what you're supposed to say, when you're supposed to say it, oh, what a blessing it is. Prime example, Esther. What was Mordecai trying to get Esther to do? He was trying to get her to speak up. To not only speak up, but to say the right thing at the right time. What does the Bible say in the book of Esther? He says this to her, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. He says you have the opportunity. If you just speak up, don't hold your peace. I mean, we all have this urge to speak up and to speak out and to comment and to post and to give our opinion. But what if we spoke up, thus saith the Lord? The way that God said, when that God said, you know what would happen? We would see, I believe, a lot more deliverance like Esther did. We have the power in our tongue to give deliverance or to leave them captive. We have the power with our tongue to encourage or discourage. We have the power with our tongue to construct or to destruct. But we have to choose how we're going to answer. And God says, hey, I've made it easy. I want you to speak always with grace. Now, that doesn't mean you roll over and play dead. That means we speak with the grace of God by the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. This is what the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Slow to speak. Can I, can I warn you of something? I'm going to warn you of something that you're going to need to know yesterday. Beware of reactions to the flesh and through the flesh. So Brother Brent, a while ago, I've had to get off social media unless I have to, post a devotion, something like that. I get off social media. Why? Because I'm scrolling through social media, see what's going on in our world, and something begins to burn on the inside. I want you to know it's not of God. My flesh wells up. But in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. And here's what happens. We see something happening that we don't like. Our flesh wells up. And what's the first thing we do? We pick this up and we write a post. And rather than minister grace, we share our opinions. There's nothing wrong with that. But your, your opinions don't belong to you anymore. The Bible says, no, you're not, that you're not your own. Your opinions are not yours anymore. You speak for him. We represent him. That's what we are called to do. We are not called to throw gasoline on the fire. We are called to minister grace and that our speech be always with grace. That's how we ought to answer every man. So you just don't understand. There's great injustice here. There's great injustice there. I understand. It's on both sides. But hear me out tonight. 
The greatest injustice that ever took place on planet Earth was in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And watch how he answered them. Go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and watch how Christ answered those that were falsely accusing him. Grave injustice. And yet he maintained his Christian character. Why? Because Christ understood the weight of his words and he was setting the example for us to follow. And so he, listen, he understands what it's like to see injustice. And the only way that you'll respond to injustice the way God would have you to respond is by walking in the spirit. Do not react in the flesh. That's when you mess up. You say, you know what? That's, you know, that's why you know, we, we don't spank our children when we're mad, right? If we spanked our children when we were mad, we'd probably all be in prison. You know, some of the things they've done. Uh, I love, even on social media, we get to see some of the crazy stuff that our kids do. And uh, we're thinking, boy, if that was my kid, yeah, you'd need a few minutes to cool off. Because that flesh wells up and you want to just pow, respond. Remember, we're not here to represent ourselves and our opinions and our comments. We're here to represent God. And if you can't do it in a way that pleases God, put the phone down and get back in the spirit. Or you're going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. What's the lust of the flesh? To get them told. But if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Knowing what to say, knowing when to say it, and knowing when not to say it is something you're only going to get right through the leadership of the Holy Spirit God. And the lost world, I told you this Sunday morning, the lost world doesn't disappoint me at all. I expect the lost world to act like the lost world. But boy, what's been disappointing is to watch the people of God step up and plaster their opinions, plaster their prejudice, plaster their thoughts and their ideas and their comments. And I just think our father sits up there shaking his head. That's not how you ought to do this. Because right now, what the world needs to see is a true and a real Christian. I read you a poem, or part of a poem by Longfellow. The title of the poem is The Arrow and the Song. The opening stanza says this, I shot an arrow into the air. It fell to the earth, I know not where. For so swiftly it flew, the sight, I could not follow it in its flight. Sounds kind of reckless, doesn't it? I mean, as a kid, my dad bought me a bow and arrow, and you know, I was going to go kill a deer with that bow and arrow, and really couldn't even penetrate cardboard, but I thought I was. And um, dad, I remember dad says, look, you know, make sure you know what's behind you when you're shooting that, because you don't want to hit somebody, you don't want to hurt anyone. In this poem, Longfellow says, I shot an arrow into the air, it fell to the earth, I know not where. You're thinking, well, that guy's just a jerk. I'm glad I'm not Longfellow's neighbor. I mean, he just walked around shooting arrows up in the air. I mean, how reckless is that? No more reckless than a child of God who fires words out in the power of the flesh that injure not only their testimony but the cause of Christ. I fear too often our words work against us. Let me tell you why. Because they're our words. They work against us because they're our words. They're not words we ought to speak. They're words that we wanted to speak. They're what I want to say and they're my opinion. Look, let me tell you something. The greatest day of your spiritual life and your walk with God is you can discern the difference of your flesh swelling up and your spirit swelling up. Usually, listen, usually the spirit doesn't boast. Usually the spirit is not angry. 
Usually the spirit does not want to get somebody told. Usually when the spirit leads, it listen, it may be through strength and it may be through truth, but oftentimes it's through humility. We see that in Christ when Christ stood before his detractors and those who accused them. Give you an interesting thought, chew on a little bit before I, before I close out tonight. Some of the most ruthless leaders in the world, I'll give you their names. Lenin, Stalin, Chiang Kai-shek, Hussein, Pol Pot, and Hitler. When you add up those that died under their regimes, it was around 33 million people. 33 million people. Now, do you know what you call those men? We call them dictators. We call them dictators. Notice the root word of the word dictator. It's the word dictate. The word dictate simply means one or dictator is one who dictates or commands authoritatively. Just through their words, their words. Listen, Hitler did not kill uh, 10 million, 15, 20 million people on his own. But he just gave the word. All of those people were boxcarred to the concentration camps. Bodies were burned and smoke went up for weeks and months on end. Pol Pot, Saddam Hussein, more recent history. We see all of these dictators who wreaked unimaginable havoc and destruction just through their words. That's why they're called dictators. They motivate through their words. 33 million people lost their life. I don't think any of us tonight realize the great power in our words We can bring about destruction or we can bring about motivation for right just through our words. And yet tonight it just breaks my heart to see so many of the people of God. Listen, I don't have a problem with you standing up for what is right and speaking about what is right and standing for truth and speaking out for truth. But there's not only a what you should say but a way that you should say it. And so much of what I see God's people today speaking is not how God would have us to speak. It's not, what does the Bible say in verse 6, how you ought to answer every man. I heard somebody say one time about these uh, folks who live in darkness and they you look at their life and they're just willing to run all black and all of this and they're listening to this heavy metal music and all this. I think it was Mike Ray who said, you're just hearing the cries of hurting children. You see these kids walking around, man, they're just pierced up all around and tatted up in the black eyeliner and all of that. You're seeing a hurting child who needs help, who needs an answer, and yet we would rather spew our opinions than to give the answer that we ought to be giving. Why? Because we don't realize the weight of our words. May 10th of this year, there was an Iranian test-fired missile. They were test-firing missiles over in Iran. It's like they're always shooting off something in Iran. And May the 10th, they fired a missile that hit one of their own ships, and I believe 19 of their sailors were killed. They just called it a misfired missile. I don't have all the facts on it. I'm just reading about it this afternoon. But here's what they did. They fired a missile without having all of the facts just yet. Uh, he said, well, how do you know that? Because they hit their own ship. I don't think, I know Iran is a little bit, little bit crazy, but I don't think they would blow up one of their own ships with their own men on that. So evidently they didn't have all of their facts lined up before they fired that missile off. And it cost 19 men their lives. Now think about how many misfired missiles we fire out. We don't know all the facts. We don't have all of our ducks in a row. 
We don't have our spiritual, uh, our spiritual big boy pants on just yet. And we fire off a re- reaction without all the facts. I wonder how many people are injured or hurt or the name or the cause of Christ is smeared because we did not wait to answer as we ought to answer. We'll give you this real quickly. Words are like children. I have one. I thought I'd have a house full. Uh, I've told you the story. We even bought a minivan. We're going to have a house full of kids. And we only had one. And, uh, but I'm thankful for the one. She's a pretty good one most of the time. But remember this, words are like children. You need to put some thought into them before you send them on their way. That's why David said, set a watch over my mouth. I live in this flesh body that every once in a while something might try to eke out. It doesn't need to eke out. It needs to stay in. So I'm going to set a watch, and Lord, you just you keep what in you want in, and you let go what you want to let go. I mean, hear me out, folks. We need to put some thought into our words before we send them on our way because you might just be working against the cause for which we were left here to represent, and that's the cause of Christ. Before we close tonight, I want, you to, I want to remind you real quickly of what happens when our words go about his work. Listen close. Proverbs 15, the Bible says, A soft answer turneth away wrath. That's not my opinion. That's the word of God. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but we're fixing to see ourselves in the second half of this verse. Grievous words stir up anger. How we doing? How we doing? That's how we ought to speak. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Does it mean you can't speak with authority? Does it mean you can't speak the truth? Does it mean you can't stand for right? The Bible says a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. And oh, how our country stirred up tonight. Proverbs 16, 23, verse 24, the Bible says, The heart of the wise teacheth with his mouth. Heart of the wise teacheth with his mouth. What does a teacher do? It builds up and it constructs, not destructs. But that's the heart of the wise. I wonder tonight what that says about our heart with the way that we speak. The Bible says, and addeth learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Now, you're saying, Brother Jeremiah, are you just saying if we say nice things that the world's going to come back together? No. I'm saying if you say nice things, it's going to be pleasing to God and better off on you in eternity. This is what thus saith the Lord. There's a way we ought to answer every man. God has a way he wants us to speak and speaking our mind and giving our opinions, making our posts and giving our comments. Listen, it's not ours anymore. Why? We were bought with a price. Price. So we must remember tonight. Remember this and I'm going to be done. Our mouth can be a trouble to our faith or a tool to our faith. Our mouth can be a trouble to our faith or a tool to our faith. And I, I'm just going to tell you right now, I think if you could uh, check the score, our mouths are more trouble to our faith than a tool of our faith. We've got to get to the place where we realize the weight of our words. Our words carry weight. Our words are going to help or they're going to hurt. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. You can't tame it. That's why you got to let the watchman of the Holy Spirit tell you what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. And we're going to look at that in this series. But tonight, you've got to understand this one point, the work of our words. Can I ask you this? Are your words working for you and for the cause of Christ? And do your words, like those, those great workers at Chick-fil-A, do your words represent who you work for, or do they represent who you used to work for? Our words tonight are going to work for us, or they're going to work against us. 
And right now, I want you to know, America does not need anything else working against her. We've got too much of that already. We need God's people on both sides of this great divide in our country right now. We need the people who name the name of Christ, listen close, to make sure that our words work for us and are how we ought to answer every man. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Usually in a divided time, if you take sides, take shots from both sides, it's usually a good thing. I'll probably take flack uh, from people on both sides of this issue. But you can't argue with the word of God. I've given you scripture after scripture after scripture tonight that says no matter what's going on in our world, there's a way our Father would have us to speak. There's a way we ought to answer every man. We have an answer for this world. We are the people who were left with the right answer. And yet the problem is we'd rather share and give and comment and post our opinions, our our prejudices and how we feel rather than answer every man. God forgive us tonight for not using our tongue as the tool to point other men to Christ. I just pray tonight the Holy Spirit has pointed out what we can do better in this area. And I pray that we be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to preach your word. And Lord, I preach exactly what you put on my heart. And Lord, I pray you've taken your word tonight. And you've worked in every heart of the people of Central Baptist Church and even those that may not be members of our church that are tuning in. Lord, help us to see that if we're saved, we're not our own. Our opinions are not our own. Our thoughts are not our own. They belong to you. And our words should represent you. And Lord, we have an answer to give this world who's searching for answers. They're hurting. This world's crying out for an answer. We've got it. But Lord, help us not to let your answer be overshadowed by our opinions. Lord, I just pray tonight you've helped us to work and to realize, Father, there's weight in our words. And, Lord, we could give our words to help to be a tree of life at this moment in this difficulty that we're living in. Bless this invitation. Help us submit to your will and way, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want you to know tonight this is something that's burdened my heart for a while. The Lord's not given us the liberty to preach it until now. Is there a appears that, as usual, God knew exactly what he was doing. Right now, we need to hear this. God, help us. Using the great opportunity of communication to be able to speak words of life and words of grace, and yet we would rather share our opinions. We're missing it. We are missing the opportunity. I ask you tonight, how? How are you answering? We have one more verse tonight. Let's take care of business with God. Let's get back walking in the Spirit. That will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You're going to watch the news. You're going to get on your your Facebook feed, your social media feed, and it's going to stir up your flesh, and the devil's going to use your mouth for his work. It's not helping any. God sits up and shakes his head, grieves the heart of God when his people are not using the opportunity he gave them to represent him with our words. No other one to 
What an opportunity we have. Unprecedented time. Communication around the world instantaneously. And yet we'd rather use this opportunity to give our opinions and prejudices. How sad. Amen. I, I do appreciate your attention tonight and sticking with us. And uh, I want you to know, look, I'm not mad at anybody. I just hate to see God's people missing the great opportunity that we have. What an opportunity we have to be here for now. I was talking to somebody just today. And if we are in the end times, and it sure looks like it, I, everything seems to be coming together. If we are in the end times, you think about it like a relay race I've told you before. We're the anchor men of this, this era of life. We have the baton to run with it and to finish this race out. And God chose you and I to be alive at this point in history. And what a privilege we have to use our breath and our life and this opportunity to speak of the things of God, to speak grace and to speak truth. And yet so often we miss the opportunity because we get in the flesh, watching the news, reading social media, and we allow that to stir up our flesh and we speak in the flesh and we strike out. And our chance at bat. I don't know if it works this way, but Hebrews chapter 12 speaks of the great cloud of witnesses that are up there in heaven. And Hebrews chapter 11 tells us who some of those are. And I don't know if they can see down here. Brother Heath, I just don't know, to be honest with you. I hear a lot of people talking about it. They're watching this. And think about it this way. They're up there in the grandstands of heaven. They've run their race. They've had their opportunity. And so many of them use their life, their time, their opportunity to smash it out of the park for the cause of Christ. And they're up there in the stands, and they're watching us. And instead of speaking grace, as we ought to speak, we're taking this opportunity to give our opinions. And I think they're sitting down in the grandstands saying they're going to blow it. We passed them the baton. We gave them the opportunity, and yet it's all about them and how they feel and what they want to say and what they believe rather than just representing the one who called us to be here for such a time as this. So I want you to know I'm just trying to challenge you. Use what God gave you for his glory, not an opportunity to speak our mind. Let's speak the mind of Christ and what thus saith the Lord. Brother Heath. And it's still the blood singing together now. And it's still the blood that saves from sin. It's still the blood that cleanses within from the high star in heaven to the depths of the sea it is still the blood of jesus that brings victory to me 